Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So wonderful to see all of our guests this morning. We welcome you in service. Thank you so much for being with us. Those of you that are joining us uh, by way of the internet, we welcome you as well. And uh, I want to say a very special welcome to a special guest of mine this morning. My mother is in service with us. Amen. She's holding down the back row, so uh, praise God. Amen. If you're physically able, if you would stand in honor of the man of God, it's my honor this morning to be able to bring our founding pastor and bishop of Antioch, the Apostolic Church. Would you receive him, Brother Chester Wright? Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Your pastor is in Whitehall today, uh, which is set just south of Waldorf, in case you didn't know that. And uh, he will be back tonight. He will be preaching in the <clears throat> congregational service tonight. But it is my opportunity and privilege to be here with you today. Praise God. Um, It is a tremendous challenge to follow donuts. <laughs> if they were Carlson's donuts, it will take a real move of God to follow that. Carlson's donuts are the very best there is in the entire world. Praise God. I have been eating them since the first week of September 1964. <laughs> literally, that's true, literally. I will explain those circumstances later for time's sake. Uh, let me just read and, and then I'll make a few more comments before I actually speak to you today. Uh, whoever's on the computer, I'm going to go, I'm going to do a lot of reading. So Ezekiel chapter 33, and I'll begin with verse 1. Ezekiel 33 and verse 1. Praise God. I'm going to give you a chance just to wait for it to be on the screen, and then I'll, I'm reading from my iPad. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coasts and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, <clears throat> took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver 
his soul. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman upon the, unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. Not warn them about God, but to issue a warning from God. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, and if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Therefore, O thou son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Thus ye shall speak, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, how should we then live? Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? I'm going to read that verse again. Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? Therefore, thou son of man, say unto the children of thy people, the righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turneth from his wickedness. Neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness in the day that he sinneth. When I shall say to the righteous that, that he shall surely live, if he trust in his own righteousness and commit iniquity, all his righteousness shall not be remembered. But for his iniquity that he hath committed, he shall die for it. Again, when I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, if he turn from his sin and do that which is lawful and right, if the wicked restore the pledge, give again he had uh, that he had robbed, walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of his sins that he hath committed shall be mentioned unto him. He hath done that which is lawful and right. He shall surely live. You may be seated. I was praying early the other morning and <clears throat> this thought just came. I wasn't even praying about this. It just came. And after the Lord gave me this thought, I knew where I'd be preaching it. 
Never, never preached this in my life, ever. And that's 48 years worth on the 7th, this past 7th, June 7, two weeks ago. <clears throat> I wrote it down. People in peril rarely know or have full knowledge of their impending doom. Whether they know it or not, their safety, parentheses salvation, is dependent upon those who do know effectively warning them. Those that do know have an eternal responsibility to warn them. <clears throat> I remember the first hurricane I ever lived through. It was uh, 1950, 51. My dad was away in the Korean War, and my mother took my brother and I down to, from Pensacola down to Panama City for a church conference. <clears throat> Panama City, like Pensacola, is on the Gulf Coast. And there were, right in the middle of this conference, there was a hurricane came through. There was virtually no warning. We were staying in one of those ancient type hotels that were motels that were the only kind there was back then. The ones that were the little independent cottages. And uh, there was barely uh, room for a bed and a small bath in there and I uh, think a chair or two for sitting and that was it. And I can remember to this day the sound of that wind and the way that little room shook in that conference. We didn't know it was coming. Several years later, in 1969, while I was in flight training in Pensacola, Hurricane Camille came through uh, the Gulf Coast. Pensacola was hit, but uh, just... I, 60, 70 miles, uh, I don't remember exactly how far, to the west of us, the eye of the hurricane came ashore on the Mississippi Gulf Coast at Biloxi. And uh, I had a little white Volkswagen combi van, and uh, we collected up a bunch of stuff, and uh, I, I drove the van to Biloxi, uh, to to one of our churches there that to, just to help out with, from an emergency standpoint. There's a long bridge that goes from past Christian over to Biloxi. Uh, it's the I-10 bridge, or I, it was US-90 bridge, I guess, then, whatever. And the, the, the hurricane was so strong that each of those concrete sections of that bridge was displaced and you would drive up, they, I, it was, the situation was so desperate, they let us cross it. And you would drive up to the edge, and it was about a three or four foot uh, inch difference, and you'd ease your wheels up on the next, so you'd drive, and you'd ease your wheels down. And I did that, it's a long bridge, at least a mile or two across there. And I did that all the way across, and when I got to the other side, I was shocked. I had driven that road many times because while I was courting my wife, I was in flight training in Pensacola. She was living in uh, Mississippi, and I had to drive along the coast before I turned up 
to go to the area where she lived. And I'd driven that many times and there was nothing left but a road. All these businesses and houses for, for a half mile or more in from the beach was there. And there were people that lost, that lost their life in that hurricane, even though there had been some warning. Because they had a hurricane party. There's a lot of things we do that we term being a daredevil. That's stupid. Because it's not daring the devil at all. They dared God and died. Before there were, there was the National Weather Service and all of that, people had to learn, in the Midwest especially, they had to learn how to recognize certain cloud formations and they had to, uh, they had to learn to discern the color tint of the clouds because there were certain cloud formations and certain color tints that said tornadoes are highly likely. None of that's even really necessary for the average person today. I have, <laughs> well, none of your business how many weather apps and radar apps I have on here. And, and some of them I've got set up to give me a warning. And even if I have the volume turned off, uh, if there's a weather warning, severe one, weather warning, it will... From this, and then I look at that, okay, there's a severe weather warning thunderstorm or tornado warning or whatever. So the idea is there's no reason anymore to be caught unprepared. There's no reason not to know what's coming except that I don't want it to come. And if I ignore it, then maybe it won't come. Maybe I can be okay if I just ignore what's coming. This past week, the world changed. Maybe you're not aware of it, but the world changed. And the real effects of this may take a few years to really impact to show the impact on the world. But Britain voted to leave the economic union. Oh, what does that have to do with us? Oh, nothing more than it uh, totally changed the world's currency's exchange rates, which means that our exports now are much more expensive than they were, which means our economy is going to be affected. Uh, it also means that our strongest ally is now not strong as strong because the European Union, there's, there is a strong possibility that other nations will follow the leadership of England out of the EU. Now there's talk of uh, Scotland becoming independent again so that it can stay in the EU. You say, well, that doesn't have anything to do with us. 
In our world today, everything has something to do with you. And it doesn't matter your politics. It doesn't matter who you you vote for or if you're going to vote at all. The United States that you will wake up to on the morning of January the 1st, 2021 will not be the United States that you go to sleep in on January the 1st, 2017. It will not be. Trust me, it will not be. It doesn't matter who gets elected. Things are going to change and change dramatically. And you can live in denial of that if you want. You can pretend all things are going to continue as they were. But it's not true. It's not true. I'm I'm not a negative person. I'm not a negative person. In fact, if you have faith in God, it's kind of hard not to be a very positive person. But, (laughs) you can call it being selfish if you want. Because either I can please you and lose my soul, or please God and save my soul, regardless of your reaction. Because the Word of God says, That if he tells the man of God to warn the people, and he doesn't warn the people, that doesn't change what's going to happen. That doesn't undo what's going to happen. But it means that the one who was tasked with the eternal responsibility to warn the people just jeopardized his own soul. But to save my soul, to save my soul, Regardless of what you do with this message today, to save my soul, I've got to tell you what thus saith the Lord is. And any preacher of any faith that stands in a pulpit today and has lost sight of that fulfills what the Word of God says, the blind will lead the blind and they'll both fall in the ditch. There's something every human being was born with. Society, family, culture, the culture there you live in, the opinions of the people that you are influenced by is in, intends to fully kill that in you. Kill it. But every being coming into existence into this world out of a woman's womb is born with an inherent understanding that they're deep inside here that there's somebody greater than you and I and that it is impossible to live through life or go through life and live life Without accountability for actions and decisions. We're born with that. But our world is determined to destroy that in you. And 
I have to admit to you, in this day and time, people have to fight to maintain what they were born with. Churches have become social clubs. No different than the Lions Club or the Moose Lodge or whatever. It's just another group of people that we hang out with. Preachers have lost sight of their calling. Our society wants to shut the church up. In fact, a very prominent recent poll showed that the average non-church churchgoer in America now considers people who believe the Bible to be dangerous extremists in America. In America. If you believe the Bible is the Word of God, you are now a dangerous extremist. And you know what? Everybody's faith is going to be tested. And if you're just doing this casually, it's the price isn't going to, the price here and now is not going to be worth it to you. If you don't believe the Word of God, the Bible is the Word of God. If you don't believe that believing in Him and, and, and trusting Him is the most important thing in this world for you here and now and for eternity, you're not going to stand up against what's coming. You're not going to do it. Because for the first time in the history of this country, we are rapidly at a breakneck pace approaching a time that Christians will be considered very suspicious people. Let me tell you something. I know there are people who have claimed to be Christians that have bombed abortion clinics or done other stuff like that. That's not Christianity. Christianity does not, does not promote itself through violence. Does not promote itself through violence. In fact, Jesus said, turn the other cheek. And anybody that's using force to try to cause somebody else to live by the tenets of their faith is not a Christian. Christ never did it, never preached for us to do it. Gandhi, Martin Luther King were both hailed because of their nonviolent approach. Well, you know what? They were, they were, uh, well, I would use the word normally in my vocabulary here, trumped, but I can't do that right now. They were overseen. They were upstaged almost by 2,000 years. Because Jesus went about doing good. Jesus treated his, his enemies with kindness. True Christianities do that, but Christians do that. Uh, but <laughs> Christianity, loving someone, doesn't mean that I put on blinders and put, uh, put uh, earplugs in my ears and deny what's going on in the world. Our world is not a better place. My oldest grandchild... Was in Anne Arundel, not, not some big, what, whatever, great liberal school in the world. 
She was in Anne Arundel Community College this past year. And her first semester, a psychology professor told her and the class, there is no more gender. There's no such thing as gender. How did we get here? Because you can operate on a man and make him kind of look like a woman, but you can't give him the ability to reproduce. Because only a woman can reproduce. And you can write all the laws you want. You can have all the, uh, uh, take all the positions you want. But a man can't birth a child and a woman's the only one that can. And you want to know the riots that's going to take place in this country? The first time that a transgender woman person rapes a woman in a public bathroom, there's going to, all of a sudden, there's going to be a hue and cry against all that stuff, and we're going to have us a little revolution on our hands. Are you in favor of that? No, I'm just, I'm, I'm warning you what's coming. I'm warning what's coming. And I know women, and uh, I may know one really well, who's at the place that she's not going into a public bathroom without her husband. You know what? And I'm telling you right now, if she requests me to go, I'm going. Well, you're a man, you can't come in here. How do you know? Well, you're a husband. Oh, so I'm married to another person? Sorry. My mate wanted me to come in this bathroom for her protection. That's your problem. You created this problem. And all of these things, they're nothing more than symptoms. But hear me right now. I, I, I saw just a couple of days ago a picture of, of flooding in uh, West Virginia. And, and these, uh, this man and woman were hugging. And in, their ba- in the background was their home leveled by flooding, flash flooding in West Virginia. In San Antonio uh, uh, a month or so ago, it was eight or nine soldiers driving a big army truck that tried to go across a flooded area that uh, there were warnings of flash floods and all of them died because the warning was flash floods are coming and they got overwhelmed. I'm talking about one of those huge army trucks because they didn't heed the warning. They didn't listen to the warning. I'm not a negative person. You say, well, you're making me afraid. Well, good. I'm not. Because I'm prepared. What, you got food stored and all that? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm storing food at my house because I want everybody to come break down my doors when they find out I got food. <laughs> hey, hey, here, come, t- come attack us because we got food stored. How are you prepared? I've committed it all to the Lord and I am absolutely 
trusting Him. But the problem is this. This world wants to make you feel like you're okay. As long as you're conforming with what their, what their latest opinion is, what their latest project is. You're one of us. You're okay. You're one of us. There's no eternal safety in being one of us. There's no eternal safety in being one of us. Well, brother, I, how is it you really honestly can not be afraid? What? You mean this world's going to threaten me with heaven? You can't see them, but I got a scar right here. I got three scars right here. That were inflicted on me on the front porch of our church in Eastport years ago. The man's wife was coming to church and he didn't like it. He came to church to drag her out. And I said from the pulpit, sir, you're welcome to come or go. But this is a public worship service and it's against the law for you to disturb this service. And he said to me, come out here and talk with me. When he said that, I knew I had a choice and I knew what was going to happen if I took one particular direction of that choice. There are people here that were there that night. They know this story is true. I walked out the door and said, it just told the church, I'd like for you to pray. And the man said, uh, I'm going to hit you. I said, sir, you can do whatever you've got to do, but you're not disturbing this service. And when this service is over with, you and your wife can deal with this situation. But if she doesn't want to leave, you're not dragging her out of here. Preacher, I'm going to hit you. Do what you got to do. His first shot splintered this lip in three places. His second one busted open this eye. And I stood there. While he hit me in the face until his arms were so tired, he couldn't pick them up anymore. Because he was 5'8", and I'm 6'1", and it wore him out having to swing up like that. And while he's standing there with his arms down, I said, you know, you, you really need for me to pray for you. And I put my hands on his head. And then he couldn't reach over my arms, so he started pounding me on the chest until literally he couldn't open his arms anymore. And I said to him, or lift his arms anymore, and I said, well, I don't know what your purpose in all this was, but I think we've proven who the man is. So now that you have failed to make your point, why don't you come inside with me and let me pray for you, and the Lord will forgive you of your sins. He'll save you. He kind of went, okay. We went in, came inside. I didn't know what I looked like. 
I, I didn't know that my shirt was solid blood. Just like this. I didn't know it. I didn't have any pain. I never had any pain. I never felt one blow physically. Not one. Before God, I'm telling you the truth. I never felt one blow. There was never any pain. I never staggered. I never lost consciousness. Somehow, I stood there with him pounding on me, and it, I never felt it one time. You see, I've got an advantage over most of you. I've already experienced God's ability to help me through violence and protect me. I bled, and I, I'm a, well, it's been a long time since I played the trumpet, but I was playing the trumpet every service then, and you, your lips is what makes the noise in the mouthpiece of the trumpet, and my lip was so bad when I, that my wife took me to the emergency room after that meeting, and uh, the doctor said, well, normally we don't stitch up lips, but yours is so bad, I'm going to have to sew it up, and he did, and he stitched me up here, and all of that, but Here's the point you're missing. The man came in, repented of his sins, received the Holy Ghost, and I baptized him that night. The bottom line of all of this is, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. For some of you, that makes you really nervous. I am not a reckless person, but if you think I'm going to keep my mouth shut, it's not going to happen. I believe with all of my heart that there is a God. He's not just a God. He's the God. And there's only one of them. There's not multiple gods. There's only one God. There can only be one being who fills everything. There can only be one. You can't have two or three or a thousand. And anything called God that's not the one God that fills everything is not a God at all. He's an imposter. Therefore, he's an idol. And if you worship that God, one of three, one of a thousand one of 10,000, then you're an idolater. Because there can only be one God. And there's only one God that created us. One God. One God. And, 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 and this is, I've had this discussion with preachers. And, and there are preachers that think, well, if we'll just lay low and keep our mouth shut, they'll leave us alone. You mean surrender. You mean acquiesce. You mean compromise. The stuff that's going on in our country is because the pulpits of this nation are silent. The pulpits of this nation are keeping their mouth shut. I'm not against people. Not against people. 
But I have prayed many times to love what the Lord loves and hate what he hates. The Lord loves people. He hates sin. And if I choose sin, I choose against God. I choose against God. (laughs) No, God is choosing against me. No, no. He was here first. You and I don't get the right, don't have the right to call the shots on what's right and wrong. The one that brought us into existence is the one that knows what's right and wrong. i tell you what you do. You know, in most stations right now, diesel fuel is the cheapest. So i tell you what you do. You take your car to the, to the, fueling station the next time you need fuel and put the cheapest fuel they've got in your car. Because you you have a right to do what you want to do. You're right. You have a right to pump what you want to pump. You're right. You have a right to pay whatever price is the cheapest you can pay. You're right. But you're wrong. The car's not going to run. Put diesel fuel in your gasoline-powered car. It's not going to run. Oh, and by the way, those few pennies you were trying to save, the repair costs are going to be ridiculous. Because even if your vehicle's under warranty, they're going to void your warranty for putting diesel fuel in it. So, you can put whatever you want to in the engine of your life. But the designer specified... What kind of fuel was going to make your life operate at its optimum? You're right, you can do it your way. But don't blame him when it doesn't work. It's not his fault. Isn't it amazing? I was thinking this driving here this morning. Isn't it amazing that even non-believers blame God for the bad going on in the world and take all the credit for the good? We don't believe in God till there's bad stuff going on so we can blame Him for it. Really? Really? I don't think anybody that's not, that hasn't given their life to God has a right to blame Him for anything. Because first of all, if I have been willing not just to be his child by creation, but his child by second birth, a birth produced by faith in his word. If I tr- if I'm his child and he's my father, I trust him and I know it's going to be okay. How many years ago was it Katrina went through New Orleans and Mississippi? 2005. Go down there now and see how much, not how much has been done, how much is left to be done just so those areas could recover. Pensacola area has 
if you've never seen the southern oaks, huge monstrous trees, huge trunks and limbs and the moss growing in them and all that. Hurricane Fred came through Pensacola area a few years ago and broke the branches out of almost all of those trees. It will never look the same in this lifetime. It'll take two or three generations for it to look again, vegetation-wise, like what it looked like before. You see, somebody needs to hear me right now. God designed the world with severe weather as a teaching tool for how dramatically life has, can, and will change. Here we are in Maryland. We brag here in Maryland. We don't really have earthquakes. We don't really have tornadoes. And even hurricanes don't really get to us with hurricane force winds. We're safe. From who? We're safe from God. We don't have to fear God. Nothing can touch us here. Other places in the country may get wiped out by a hurricane or a tornado or an earthquake, but not us. I'm not being negative. I'm just telling you something right now. If you don't have the ability to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I can't even imagine how you get up in the morning. I don't know how you get up in the morning. Well, it's not that bad where I am. (laughs) The Bible says when they cry peace and safety, Sudden destruction's coming. I forget. I think it was David, my son, your pastor, who said at dinner the other night that he came across a map online that showed all of the threats by state that had been thwarted in the last 10 years. Terrorist threats where there was an effort made, plans made, and in varying degrees of efforts toward the accomplishment were in the works when they were stopped. I, I didn't, I, he told me about this. I didn't hear it. Maybe you did. About that car that was going to New York City full of uh, weapons and bombs that they stopped the other day and caught. And he said they stopped them because of a broken windshield. Really. So we see cops all the time sitting on the side of the road pulling people over because they got a broken windshield. No, that was the excuse they used to legally pull that vehicle over. Guaranteed they had a tip. And they pulled that vehicle over and it was full of explosives and weapons. I'm, I'm not trying to get you to be afraid. I'm trying to get you to be wise. 
You can, you can live with the, your head stuck in the sand like the proverbial ostrich if you want. But there's only one way to prepare. And that's to be right with God. Paul said it this way. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Do you know how awesome it is to live a life without fear? Do you know how awesome that is? We have about seven or eight or ten different people in this church that work in the intelligence fields. And of course they've sworn a vow and they're not going to break that vow. And I certainly am not going to ask them to break that vow. But I, I, you know, I got a little idea of stuff going on in the world, a small idea. I don't know how they live every day knowing what's really going on. Man, in this church, <clears throat> minister in this church was, his last assignment as Coast Guard was the, <clears throat> the calm guy communications guy for the commandant of the coast guard and so whenever the joint chiefs of staff would get together and the with the defense secretary and whatever uh all each one of those guys calm guy was in the room top top secret clearances they had well the guy that replaced the man in our church was a good friend of his and of course Candidate Obama made a lot of pronouncements on the campaign trail about his skepticism over all the terrorist activity, et cetera, et cetera. And the joint chiefs and the security people said, okay, let's educate him. And this friend of our brother here was in the first briefing of President Obama. And he said that by the time they got through telling him all the stuff he had no idea of that was caught and stopped that could have happened, that he was deathly pale. Have you noticed he's never made one comment about that since? In almost eight years. Because he got educated. On what was really going on. Whoever made the decision. To keep the American people. Uneducated. To prevent panic. Isn't doing anybody any favor. I'm not a negative person. Love God. I love my wife. I love my children. I love this church. I love the kingdom of God. My peace. But I have a, an eternal responsibility to tell you. Well, I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> the hurricane's coming. And you pretending it's not, is it going to stop it from coming? The tornado is on the way. You, you living in denial of it, it's not going to keep it from coming. 
The earthquake's going to happen. I was preaching in San Diego. And it was just friendly banner, you know. They were... <laughs> they were bragging about their 75 degree year-round temperatures. Sunshine, 300 days a year. And I looked at them and said, yeah, it rains in Maryland. But we don't really live knowing that it's only a matter of time till the whole earth shakes. The conversation stopped. What, what are you going to do with the warning? Scripture says, if people appoint a warning, a, a, a watchman, and the enemy comes, and he blows the trumpet, gives the alarm, and they don't hear, they refuse to listen, and they die, their blood's on their own heads. But if the, if the watchman Blows the horn, the trumpet, gives the warning. Does it blow the horn? Does it give the warning? And anyone dies, their blood's on the watchman's head. It's not a new thing that the, the men, women that God calls to stand before you biblically have been called watchmen since the Lord spoke the word. Watchman. Well, I, w I want a shepherd. I don't want a watchman. <laughs> what do you think a shepherd is? A shepherd is always on the look, a good shepherd, always on the lookout for peril for the sheep. Oh, maybe you just want an entertaining public speaker. You're in the wrong parking lot for that. You're in the wrong parking lot for that. You want somebody to love you enough to tell you the truth? That's going to happen whether it's in this service or any of the other 15, 16 services we're having this morning. That person's going to tell you the truth. Because that's their, that's their spiritual responsibility. I tweeted this a couple of weeks ago. The greatest act of love is to tell somebody the truth even if they don't want to hear it. The greatest act of love is to tell somebody the truth even if they don't want to hear it. Today, I've told you the truth. question is, what are you going to do with it? We live in a day and time where, and I, I, I say this only using today's terminology, where Christianity, present-day Christianity, has been so dumbed down that it has no ability to have a Genuine impact 
in people's lives on a day-to-day basis to let them live without fear, without worry, without concern, with peace and joy. Because it's, it's been so watered down that if you hold up today's Christianity next to a glass of water, you can't see any difference. It's just as tepid and lacking substance. Pure water, which is almost impossible, pure water technically has nothing absorbed in it, suspended in it. Pure water is only H2O, nothing else. There's no such thing as pure water. 99% pure, who knows. But the bottom line is this. Pure Christianity is possible through the Word of God, through the Spirit of God, through the grace of God, and the love of God. Did you, did you hear the verses I read? The Lord says, I, have, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. You know what he means by that? I get no satisfaction in being proved wrong when someone didn't believe me. Or excuse me, in being proved right and them being proved wrong when somebody doesn't believe. I don't get any pleasure in that. Because it's not about who's winning. It's about people. It's about souls. It's about souls. It's about here and now. Brother R.E. Libby, who, who pastors now in Imesville, which is just, actually is in Frederick County. He was saved in this church. And uh, he's going through some physical problems. And He said to me the other day, we had our district meeting. Uh, used to be called camp meeting, but we don't camp, so it's, we call it gather. Uh, he said to me before one of the services, isn't it amazing that just about the time you've really learned something and gained some knowledge and have some wisdom that it's time to die? I said, yes, sir. Except that what that proves is this life is temporary And this life is for the place where we learn and prepare for eternity, for eternal life. So if you're going to compromise forever just so you can live in blissful, tragic ignorance of what is truth and really going on in our world, God have mercy on you. I, I, I'm not calling names. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the action. You may, you may try to squeeze out another few days, weeks, months, or a couple of years by being ignorant of what's going on in the world. No, remember, the root word for ignorant is to ignore. It has nothing to do with mental capacity. 
Ignorance is a choice. I choose to not know something. And I choose to not know it by ignoring it. It's like the person that's found a lump doesn't go to the doctor because they think if they don't have an exam or a diagnosis that it's all going to be okay. There's a warning going forth through the Word and the Spirit today, not just here, in many places. The Spirit of the Lord is causing real men of God Men that he trusts, that trusts him, to give a warning. It's time to get right with God, folks. It's time to let the cross, what was done on the cross, work in your life by forgiving you of all your sins. Through obedience to his word. It's time, it's time for us to to get some things right. It's time to forgive all of our grudges that we don't even want to call grudges or offenses. We call them hurts or disappointments or whatever, but they affect our actions. It's kind of just like an offense or just like a grudge, right? Because that person's name can't come up without you having something negative to say about them or you can't see them coming without avoiding them, going around them, and you're just hurt. No, the Bible calls that an offense. It's a grudge. And you're in danger of your soul. Because Jesus said, if we won't forgive those who offended us, he will not forgive our sins. So those with grudges are unforgiven of their sins. So is it really worth spending eternity in the fires of hell just to hold on to some wrong that's been done to you is that worth it to you trust me it may seem worth it to you today but it's not going to be worth it down the road is it really worth it to be able to live in a way to get blasted out of your mind you don't even remember what you did last night and you live with that headache that you can't find a remedy for and you're gonna you're gonna hang on to that When it doesn't really bring peace, and it really doesn't bring joy, and it really doesn't bring happiness? You're going to hang on to sin that doesn't make your life one bit better? And face what's coming with fear and terror? Really? Really? Well, you have a right to make your choice. No preacher and no church and no government has a right to stop you from making your choices. But know this. The Bible says the God who created all this says we're all going to be accountable for our decisions, our actions, our offenses. We're going to be accountable. <laughs> Is there anybody here today that would figuratively want an, a connector put on one ear and one on the other and hook that connector up to a projector and a good sound system 
and replay your life for all here to see with the inside and the outside. All the thoughts, all the feelings. Nobody here would want to do that. Certainly not me. (laughs) Do you know what he's offering you? He's offering you to take all of that away. He's offering you a brand new fresh start. Where you're no longer accountable to him for anything you've ever done or not done. No matter how okay it is with you or how horrible people would think it was if they knew. He's offering that to you and me. A brand new, fresh start. He said, I will forgive your sins and remember them no more. He said, I'll cast all your sins behind my back. I'll cast all your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. Is there really anybody here today that wants to leave here with your sins? The Bible says some men's sins go before them to judgment. Other men's sins follow after them. Your choice. But I have chosen to send all of my sins ahead by repentance and obedience. And let him take care of those sins so that when I get there, he doesn't even remember them anymore. He is no respecter of persons. There's not one person in this room more important to him than anybody else. And not one person in this room less important to him than anybody else here. There's not one person sitting here that he loves one bit less than he loves me. Or one bit more than he loves me. Or vice versa. Nobody's ever been more fair, trustworthy, honest, dependable than Jesus. Nobody. And the benefit is, as much as I love my wife, for at least another couple of weeks, every Sunday morning we go two different directions. She goes to Crofton to help play for, uh, the, lead the worship and play music in, in the new congregation. Here I am today and I've been other places on Sunday morning without her. I love her, but she doesn't go everywhere I go. She's not with me 24-7. But this Jesus I'm preaching about, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I trust my wife. My wife trusts me. But neither one of us are as dependable as he is. Neither one of us. Neither one of us. Some days she has bad days. Some days I have bad days. But the one that... I love and serve and trust never has a bad day. He never has a day where he says to me, don't talk to me, I'm tired. He never says to me, (laughs) we we agreed years ago that if there was something going on and I said, what's wrong, that we finally agreed where she would say, instead of saying nothing, which I don't believe, And as a Christian, that's a lie, which I pointedly 
made her aware of that. I said, listen, just so that you can be a Christian and not lie, can we agree that when I ask you what's wrong, you won't say nothing. You'll say, I don't want to talk about it. That way, you've acknowledged that I'm not stupid. I know there's something wrong. But you're not ready to talk about it. And you haven't lied. Can we do that? Okay? And there are days. There was just a situation the other day. It hadn't had anything to do with me. It had something to do with something else. And I was trying to understand where she was coming from. And she said, I'm not ready to talk about that now. And I said, okay. And I went about my business and never brought it back up. She did seem a little surprised at that, but I did. I've never, I know this is simple. I've never had a moment where I needed to talk to him. And he said, I don't feel like talking right now. But I am so sorry to tell you, there have been times where he wanted to talk and I wasn't willing to listen. And he forgave me of that. Let's, let's pray here for just a mo- minute. Can we do that? Just a moment. Jesus' name. Father, your word tells us how much you love us. But how awesome, awesome it is to experience that love. To know that love far more than just intellectually or hearsay but to know it by experience. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring about us, Father. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring, Father. Thank you. You know each one of us that's sitting here, Lord. You know every thought that every one of us has had through this entire service, this entire message. You know these thoughts. You know our thoughts. You know our needs. You know what we need when we don't have a clue what we need. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to help us right now. I loose the spirit of the love of God, the spirit of power, the spirit of sound mind in this place. I loose the spirit of the grace of God, the spirit of mercy, the spirit of peace into this place upon every one of us right now. By your grace, Father, quicken in us an ability and a willingness to, 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 to know you, to give ourselves to you, to be, to be forgiven by you, to walk with you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you know, it, if you haven't already prayed sometime this morning and repented of your sins, this is a good time to do that. He's willing to do that. Well, why don't you just ask him right now? Why don't you just give him a chance and say, Father, everything in my life that you consider wrong, even if right now I don't think it's wrong, forgive me. Show me your way. Let me see it your way. And forgive me of my sins. Come on. In whatever words you have to use, but here I am, Father. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me, Father. I want to be forgiven, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus. He is so willing to forgive. We don't have to talk him into forgiving us. We just have to be willing to repent. And he is quick to forgive. He wants to forgive us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
Come on, just another moment. Do you understand that it's unrepented sin, un- unforgiven sin that opens the door to fear in your life? That's the thing that proves that you've got things in your life that shouldn't be there. Fear. Perfect love. The Lord's love casts out fear. If you struggle with fear over this world, what's going on in this world? The reason is there's stuff in your heart that you haven't let him take care of. And that's an open door to fear. The Lord's love, John said, casts out fear. Come on. Come on, don't hold on to those things. I'm not asking you to join this church. You're welcome to come here. If it's your first time you've been visiting or you come here all the time, we're not asking you to join this church. That's not the condition of your forgiveness, joining this church. That's between you and Jesus. If you come here, we'll be thrilled to have you. But, but that's not what this is about. This is about you and Him, not you and us. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 The scripture says for us to pray one for another and bear one another's burdens. Just, just, would you just turn in your seat or whatever? Let's pray for each other here for right now. For a moment, could we do that? Could we just pray for each other here for a minute? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're not in this alone. We're in this together. Let's pray one for another. Come on. Come on. If you're not near somebody to pray with, find somebody to pray with. Let's let's just pray for each other here for a moment. Just another moment or two, would you? Praise God. Praise God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. 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 Come on. Come on, let the Lord help you today. Let the Lord forgive you. Let the Lord give you peace. He loves you. He cares for you. Come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, if you need to go, if you really need to go, you're welcome to go. God bless you. But just here for another moment or two, come on, let's pray for each other. Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, help us, Father. In the name of Jesus. Help us, Father. In the name of Jesus, help us, Father. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. She say kie kata haya lo 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 bukuru kata kie kie kolorote le le te kie kata haya. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, church, let's pray one for another. Come on, church. Let's pray one for another. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. service tonight at 6 o'clock here with the other 11 Sunday morning ministries that are a part of this congregation and senior pastor David Wright will be preaching tonight God bless you hallelujah he'll give you peace you never knew
soul. 